Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here, glad that you're joining us online. Those of you who are connecting with us on Facebook or YouTube or wherever that might be, uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for about as long as there have been Christians. The Lord be with you. <laughs> Thank you. We do believe that the Lord meets us here, uh, even when there are technical difficulties and all those kinds of things, and, uh, and I'm glad for it. It's, it's like the exact opposite of that. We are weighed down by things today, and so we thank you, God, that whatever we're going through, whatever we carry with us into this time, into this place, we can offer it to you. We don't have to pretend like that's not there, because you meet us here, God. You know our hearts. You know what's going on in our lives. you bow your heads with me let's pray thank you God thank you for the good and gracious work that you do in our lives as we come to you and put our trust in you as we as we recognize you for who you are and ourselves for who we are God I pray that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us when there, when there are times in this life where we think too highly of ourselves, like we, could, like we could handle this situation better than you could, God, I pray that you would help us to recognize just how foolish we seem to you. Help us to recognize that, uh, that you are God and that we are your creation, that you are the one who is um, moving events. You are the one who, who rules over all things. You are the one that, that wants us to be involved, but as your kids, not as our own little gods of our own little kingdoms. Help us, God, to repent in those times when we find ourselves trying to take your place in our lives or in someone else's life. But God, sometimes uh, we are looking at ourselves and all we see is failure. All we see is uh, a mess. All we feel is shame or guilt frustration at the ways that we continue to fail. And God, in those moments, would you help us to see ourselves as you see us? Would you help us to see ourselves as loved by you, as people that you loved so deeply that you came to us in your son, Jesus Christ, to enter into our mess, to lift us up, to rescue us, to give us life in place of the death that we have caused, to take our death on yourself. And Lord Jesus, by your death and resurrection, you broke the power of sin and death. You have set us free. So would you help us to see ourselves as people who could be glorious, gloriously changed by your Holy Spirit at work in our lives? Would you give us hope, God, that our future can be different than our past? Thank you, God. Would you help us to see ourselves the way you see us? And God, we pray the same thing for uh, the people around us, that you would help us to see them the way you see them. Again, as people so valuable, so loved by you, that no matter our disagreements with them, no matter how frustrated we might be, no matter the hurts that we carry from, from past uh, problems with them, God, you love them. And you have invited us to experience that love flowing through us, that you can show them your love and your grace through us, your kids, your people. So God, would you help us to have hearts open to those around us, no matter who they are, no matter what their background, no matter, no matter what our differences might be. Thank you, God. 
Thank you for those who have been that in our lives, who have allowed your grace to flow through them so that we can experience it, who have been your ears listening when we needed someone to talk to, who have been uh, your shoulder to cry on, your arms supporting us, your voice speaking truths that we needed to hear. Thank you, God, for those who have allowed your love to flow through them into our lives. Thank you, God, that you invite us to do that for others. Today, God, you know, again, all that we carry with us into this time and place, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the truly ugly. Thank you, God, that your grace is enough. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. Thank you for the love and the grace that we get to experience as we trust in you. The joy that you bring us, the peace. Thank you, God, for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let's go ahead. Let's take a minute. To, uh, if you want to walk over and, and say hi to somebody, maybe not sneeze on them, you know, but if you want to go and say hi to somebody, we used to, we used to do this all the time. It's been forever since you've been able to go. Say hi, get some coffee, whatever you need. Let's take a minute, all right? Oh, man. I should have known that if I, uh, if, if I said go ahead and greet each other, it would be hard to get you back. It always is. So. I got to say, it feels good after like over a year of just kind of turning and waving to each other. It's kind of nice to be able to actually go and, and shake a hand or to say hello. I see some of you hugging each other. I know those of you who are joining us online can't, uh, can't see all the hugs and all the stuff going on, but uh, it's, a, it's a good, good thing. And I know that that's the very reason that some of you are still watching online instead of coming here because... Uh, Unfortunately, this thing is not over as much as we would like for it to be. Uh, our state currently has pretty low rates as far as transmission and all that kind of stuff. But if you guys watch the news, you know that in a, in a whole lot of places, the numbers are, are going up. They're, they're creeping up, at least. And in some places, they're, they're climbing pretty quick. So uh, we continue to pray that, um, that folks will get vaccinated if they're able to get vaccinated and that we'll all continue to be careful around each other in the ways we need to be careful. And uh, hopefully all those folks who are working on vaccines will be able to come up with stuff that our kids can get vaccinated and all those kinds of things. So uh, ours are too young for the ones that, you know, five-year-olds don't have vaccines available to them yet. But anyway, uh, so we, we wanted to make sure we did that while we could, all right? Because, of course, if the numbers start to spike, we'd, we're going to have to go back to waving to each other. So we'll, we'll see how things go. All right. Um, if you are uh, joining us online or if you're here in the room, you can grab your phones. You can go to livinghope.info slash connect, and you can fill out that little digital connect card and let us know you're with us, uh, share how we can pray for you, that sort of thing. Uh, you can also go to livinghope.info slash give, and you can give online if you'd like to, uh, including one new opportunity that you can give to that I'm going to mention in just a moment. Of course, all of you here in the room, you can go back. There's little green cards back by the offering box. You can fill one of those out and drop it in there, and if you're giving and want to give, uh, drop something in the box style, you can do that as well. Um, I do want to mention, just so it doesn't freak you out later, that uh, at the end of the service, when we celebrate communion, we're going to go ahead and come forward for communion as well, all right? So in the little basket that I'll have here, um, and just it's been so long, some of you might 
forgotten how we usually do that. Uh, for years, we would celebrate communion this way, where during that last song, I'll be standing down here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice, and you'll be able to come forward whenever you're ready, take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. Uh, there are in the basket some of the little individually wrapped deals, if you want to take that back to your seat and celebrate that way. Uh, there are some gluten-free wafers that have probably been in the cabinet too long. Sorry about that. Uh, and then there's some, some pita bread that's cut up that was just purchased uh, recently. So anyway, um, so that we'll celebrate communion that way uh, at the end of the service. Um, Oh, that, uh, that other thing that's coming up, if you, uh, if you got one of these on your way in, apologies to those of you online, I don't have this on the screen or anything, but Thursday, August 5th, we get to host some missionaries here at our church. They're going to be speaking at a church in Kokomo on that Sunday, the 1st, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're making their way to the four corners of the Northwest Indiana District of the Church of the Nazarene, and we get to host them on their last night when they're wiped out or, or when they finally honed their message. We'll pretend it's that way. Um, uh, so Rob and Cindy North from African Nazarene University are going to be with us that, that night. I hope you'll join us. We're going to have people from other churches of the Nazarene, no doubt, coming to hear them. And so if you would like to hear what they have to say about what's going on there in, uh, I think it's Kenya. Is it Nairobi? I'm trying to remember it now. Oh, I wish Pastor Judy was here. I could ask her because she knows off the top of her head. Um, but uh, they will be here August 5th, and we are going to be giving an offering to them to help support their work. And so you can give today if you'd like to. Anytime between now all the way through Sunday, August 1st, you, when you go to give online, you can just, there's that little drop down. You can give to the general fund or the building fund or that kind of stuff. Missions is right in there. If you give to that missions fund between now and, uh, and the end of the day on August 1st, um, then on Monday, August 2nd, our treasurer can write a check to them for however much we've given. And, uh, and we will give that to them um, and then next summer, not this summer, but next summer, 2022, there's a plan to take a team of folks from Northwest Indiana uh, Churches of the Nazarene over to the school. They are trying to bring that school up into the 21st century, putting on like the smart whiteboard stuff, a, a bunch of stuff that I'm not familiar with, all right? And uh, so they're retrofitting the school and bringing it uh, up, to, up to current. And uh, if you would like to help with that, if that's something you're like, oh yeah, I like hanging things on the walls and plugging things in, and if you can do that sort of thing, uh, we'll have a lot more detail as we get closer. But anyway, so that's coming up Thursday, August 5th. And then that Saturday, the 7th, uh, we're going to have some kind of a bike giveaway. There's a group of people that do these little free bike tune-ups and giveaway bikes, mostly for kids, but I think also for adults. And that's going to happen in the parking lot. Uh, we were just talking about it at the board meeting this last week and meeting with the guy that, that makes that happen. And so we don't have the times yet. It's probably going to be like in the morning or something that Saturday. And if you would like to be a part of it, you want to bring your bike and get it tuned up or looked at or checked out or whatever, they'll do that for you. Or if you have a bike you want to donate, you could bring that. Uh, if you have a, if you need a bike, you can show up and say, I really need a bike. Can't afford a bike. I'd, I'd like one. And if they don't have one, they will look for it and keep their eyes open for it and, and, uh, and hopefully get you one soon. So anyway, uh, it's going to be a, a fun couple of days there. All right. Uh, we have been looking for these last couple of weeks. We'll go ahead and get, get into the message. I think, I think that's all the announcements. Okay. Uh, we've been looking for the last couple of weeks at what it means for God to be king in our lives. Uh, we've been looking at that through the, the story of Samuel, one of the prophets that we see in the Old Testament. He's got a couple of books in our Bibles with his name on them. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we get the story that we're reading today. Last week, uh, we looked at 1 Samuel 50, well, two weeks ago, 1 Samuel chapter 8, I think it was, where the people demanded a king. And Samuel said, that's not a good idea. They said, we want one anyway. And God said, give him a king. So they did. You know, Samuel anointed Saul king over Israel as their first king. They wanted to be like everybody else, have a king. So, okay, that's what you want. God let them have it. And Saul was a good king in some ways and a terrible king in other ways. And last week we looked at how instead of obeying God, he was more focused on like 
making sure he had sacrifices to offer to God or that. He was focused on the religious stuff, maybe. Maybe it was just an excuse. But, um, but what God ended up saying through Samuel that we all listened to last week was that obedience is better than sacrifice. If you have to choose between religious obligations and actually listening to God and doing what he says, listen to God and do what he says, all right? If showing up at church makes it harder for you to hear God for some strange reason, stay away, all right? Stay away if that makes it harder for you in some way. Um, If it helps you to listen to God, great, do it. If it helps you to do what God says, fantastic. But we have this tendency sometimes to, uh, to ignore God or kind of partially ignore God or kind of choose for ourselves which parts of God's instructions we'll follow and not follow. And, uh, and then we kind of cover up our partial obedience with, you know, religious stuff. And uh, that's a problem. It was a problem for Saul. It's a problem for us. God wants to be king. He wants us to, to listen to him and to do what he says, to trust and follow him. And so this kind of continues that theme this morning as we look at the next chapter in this story. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me, because Saul is still king, right? God is sending... Samuel to go anoint the next king while Saul is still king. And in the chapters that follow, there's all kinds of, you get to see all the political intrigue and, and it's a big mess. And anyway, Samuel says, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Not sure what Samuel was doing that they were so nervous when he showed up, but they're nervous. Samuel replied, Yes, in peace, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves, you know, set yourselves apart for this. Come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, one of the boys, and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, We heard Mary read this earlier. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? <laughs> kind of confused at that point. Like, got through the, I'm sure he got to like the last one and thought, okay, I guess it's him. He's the youngest, but all right, you know, and, and uh, it's not him. But wait, are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. We didn't even call him. We figured it'd be the oldest boy, you know. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. And this part makes me laugh. I'm not sure why they say this. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. We've just been told not to pay attention to that stuff, but anyway. <laughs> handsome boy, fine appearance, glowing with health. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So, interesting story, I think. Um, and just on that last part, again, anointing someone with oil was a symbol of God's presence and the Spirit being poured out upon them. And, uh, and as I've mentioned, I think, the last two weeks, uh, in those days, 
we saw this happen just here and there on a king, on a prophet. We would see the spirit of the Lord be poured out in, in some, I don't know, noticeable way. And their lives would be different. They would have a, a stronger confidence in God. They would have the ability to do what God called them to do, empowered by God's Holy Spirit. And today, thankfully, we live in the time when God's Holy Spirit has been poured out on all of us. If you read Acts chapter 2, after Jesus had died and risen again and then spent time with his disciples teaching them about this kingdom of God, what it means to live with God as king, then he ascends into heaven and he had promised them, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, on that day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, it happens. The Holy Spirit is poured out and as Peter, one of his disciples, gets up and tells the crowd, he quotes from the prophet Joel who had looked forward to this day and said, look, God's going to pour out his spirit on all people. On your sons, on your daughters, the young, the old, it doesn't matter who you are. God is pouring out a spirit on everyone. And that's the time we live in today, where God has given himself to you and to me, to everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. He pours out his Holy Spirit and it enables us to trust him, to live with God as king, to be used by him in powerful, amazing ways. So the I, I put it in bold in your notes for those of you in the room, and uh you know, the, the line that I want to focus on is that one where God says to Samuel, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Um, now, we all know that people look at our outward appearance, right? It's why most of us in the room, probably all of us looking around at you, probably most of us in the room, probably all, you know, before we came here today, um, spent a little time in front of the mirror, Right? And you made sure you're like, oh, oh no, I gotta, I gotta wash that hair, or I gotta, you know, I gotta wipe that off, or I gotta do something about that. Um, I'm gonna be in public. I'm gonna be in front of people. I gotta, you know, I can't wear this shirt. You know, I gotta, that's got stains on it, or it's got holes in it, or whatever. You know, I gotta, I gotta do something different. And um, we, we know that people look at our outward appearance, and we care about that, so we address that, right? That might be why some of you're connecting online right now, because you didn't want to have to go through all that. That's fine. Uh, now we do our best as a church to follow the instructions God gave to Samuel there. To, to not pay attention to that sort of thing, to not consider people's appearance. You know, we try not to do that, right? But I know we all do. Uh, and you guys do a fantastic job here as a congregation that no matter who walks in, what they look like, what's going on in their life, you welcome everyone. You do a fantastic job of that. Thank you so much for being that kind of church. I have friends that pastor churches that are very different than that, and they have to kind of push against that all the time, and I'm so glad I don't have to do that. Uh, you guys are just good at embracing everyone who walks through those doors. Thank you. Uh, but we know that no matter how hard we try, no matter, no matter how much time we spend trying to make ourselves presentable, there are people who will always judge a book by its cover, right? I mean, that's one of the things that we've been dealing with as a society over the last year and a half or so with so many of the race discussions is this recognition that, that all of us, we just can't escape it. Our eyeballs see difference. And even before we make a conscious decision, you know, we respond. We have thoughts that pop into our heads uh, based on our past experiences, based on things we've been told. This is just a part of who we are as human beings. It's how our brains work. We, we see things, differences, we notice them. And... Uh, we do our best as followers of Jesus to not let those things stop us from loving anyone, you know, from, from approaching anyone, from, from embracing anyone, from recognizing anyone as a brother and sister. Um, we're not going down that road. We're not spending a ton of time on that today, all right? The, the, part of the part that I want to spend some time on today is the part that we can do something about, all right? We can't do anything about those folks out there who are going to insist on judging you by your outward appearance. Um, can't, we can't necessarily change that. We can try to change ourselves in that way. We can do all sorts of things to try to make sure that that is not uh, a feature 
of our personality. What, what we're going to focus on is that second part about the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, this last, I guess it was Friday, uh, as I was doing that little daily prayer video, I was reflecting on the, you know, the message I was preparing for Sunday and talked about this a little bit. If you watch those videos, you already kind of know where part of this message goes. Um, I was just thinking about how much time we spend in front of the mirror and focusing on our outward appearance. And boy, what would it be like if we could, you know, look in the mirror and see our hearts? If we could look in the mirror and see what's going on on the inside, what would it be like if we spent as much time focused on making our insides presentable to God as we spend making our outsides presentable to each other? You know, there's, there's stuff we can do there. You know, we can actually change what goes on inside of us. We're not just stuck with whatever happens inside. We're not just stuck with the thoughts that we have or the attitudes that we were handed by whoever raised us or the, you know, the, the place we spent all the time at work or, or, you know, those things that shape our thoughts. Um, we can let our thinking be shaped by God. We can let our attitudes be changed by him. Our, our affections, our allegiances, those things all are under our influence. We can do something about what's going on on the inside. And so what does God see when he looks at you? And he doesn't care so much what you wore to church today. He cares what's going on in your heart. What does God see when he looks at your heart, at my heart? When he looked at David, even though he had those stunning good looks, apparently what God saw was someone whose heart was kind of connected to his. Um, we see in Acts chapter 13, the Apostle Paul, in one of his messages, uh, as he's going around the Mediterranean world uh, teaching people the good news about Jesus, he, he tells the backstory. And uh, in chapter 13, verse 22, he says this way, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, we don't really know exactly what that means, the whole man after my own heart bit. But I think he explains it, at least partially, in the words right after that, right? This is a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. He will do what we were talking about a couple weeks ago. He will say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, and he's going to do what I ask him to do. He's someone willing to follow me, willing to trust me. Does God see that when he looks at us? Does he see someone whose heart is saying, I'm ready, God. Whatever it is you want me to do, you speak, I'll listen, and then I'll do it. Now, that doesn't always happen quickly, right? That doesn't always happen easily. And the Bible is filled with other stories of people who hear from God and then wrestle with him a bit about it before they go out and do it, before they trust him. You know, Abraham did this at times. Jacob certainly did this at times. Um, multiple people did this. Even Jesus has that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is arrested and tried and, and hung on a cross and dies for the sins of the world. Even Jesus had that moment in the Garden where he's wrestling with his Heavenly Father and saying, you know, Father, all things are possible from you, for you. Please take this cup from me. Please don't, don't make me have to go through this. But then Jesus, as much as he is pleading to not have to go through this, submits to his Father's will and says, yet not my will, but your will be done. Whatever it is, God, if this is your plan, I'll follow it. It's not what I, but I'm, I want to make clear, it's not what I want. <laughs> I would rather do something different. I would rather not have to go through this. If Jesus did that, then it's okay for us to do that. It's okay for us to wrestle as long as we still, as long as he could say of us what he did of David, he will do everything I want him to do. She will do what I call her to do. I know that if I need someone to reach out to that person in love, I can tap her on the shoulder and she will say yes. She will call that person. She'll send that text. She'll, she'll give that time that had been planned for something else to spend an extra five or ten minutes caring and listening to that person. 
You know, I know that if I tap him on the shoulder, he'll be willing to, to pull that money out of his wallet and to give it, even though he was going to do something else with it. I know that he'll be willing to share that with this person who's in need, who needs to know that, that who's been praying to me and asking, pleading with me to, to provide for him. And I know if I tap him on the shoulder, he'll be willing to open his wallet and he'll be able to help answer that person's prayers. God is looking for people who will do what he wants us to do, who will be like David in that way. When God looks at your heart, what does he see? Now, Jesus had, besides just modeling for us, he, he had some things to say about this, right? We know this. Um, in Matthew chapter 23, he's talking with some religious leaders, and this is a chapter where, um, was it last week or the week before, I was just mentioning how uh, one time Jesus is kind of letting them have it because they, they're, they're so careful to, to give a tenth, even of like the little mint leaves that they harvest off their, out of their garden, but they're ignoring the, the bigger issues of justice and mercy and compassion. That's in this chapter. Uh, so is this, where he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's a striking image, isn't it? I mean, I've been to cemeteries, you know, and you've got the, the tombs that are like, you know, above ground or whatever, and it's like a mausoleum or whatever. And it's like on the outside, it looks so beautiful if it's been kept up, right? You know, white, it's been whitewashed. It looks, looks so clean, but inside is not so clean. I think that's what it's like looking at you. You sure look good on the outside. You appear to people as righteous, but people look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And when the Lord looks at your heart, he was telling them, he sees ugliness hypocrisy, wickedness. In, in the verses right before that, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside also will be clean. I, I don't do a lot of dishes, but I do some. You know, and in my head I'm kind of thinking, well, just clean both. You know, clean the inside and the outside. That would be a good thing. But I'm... You know, if it's a bowl that I'm putting food in, which is more important to clean? I guess the inside, probably, where the food is going to touch, you know? If there's like a smudge on the outside where my kids had chocolate on their fingers and it got wiped on there and it's been there for a while because I missed it last time, that's not going to hurt the food that's on the inside. Clean the inside of the dish, and I feel like Jesus is saying, and you know, that soapy water is going to touch the outside too. It's going to be fine. He's saying, take care of what's going on in here. And that will flow to the outside. And Jesus talked about that, right? Other, I don't have all these, didn't have room to put all these things uh, there in your notes. But he talked about this with the tree and the fruit, right? We looked at this earlier this year. About living a fruitful life. That Jesus said if you make a tree good, its fruit will be good. Because what's inside comes out. What's on the inside of you eventually will show up in your actions. The, the attitudes that you have will show up in the way you treat the people around you. The, the priorities that you keep, where your heart is set. You know, what do you set your heart on? What, are, what things do you care about? That's going to show up in your actions, in what you spend your time on, in how you spend your money, in what you do with yourself, the places that you go, because of what's going on in here. In here, in your head, in your heart, you know, inside you. That comes out. Now, Jesus had a pretty frank discussion of this uh, with some of the religious leaders one time when they were concerned that Jesus and his disciples weren't doing all the hand-washing stuff that they did, the, the, the purity rituals, and, and uh, concerned about the food that they ate. And, um, and Jesus says to them, 
And to his disciples, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. I'm glad he didn't go into any more detail than that. He didn't need to. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. little parenthetical remark from, from Mark there, writing the gospel, which was a huge deal because, right, the, the Jewish people had their laws about what they could eat and not eat. And if you ate certain things, you were considered unclean. And Jesus is confronting that and saying, look, that's just food. It's just, you know, it's going to go into your stomach and then move on. It doesn't go into your heart. What you eat isn't necessarily going to impact your character. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Yeah, I feel like this is, this is kind of like what Jesus was saying last week. Like, religious observances are fine, but man, they matter a whole lot less than what's going on in, like, in your life, that you're obeying God, that you're listening to him and obeying him, what's going on in your heart. You know, it's, it's good and all to care about what you eat, but man, what matters so much more than what goes into you is what comes out of you because that's revealing your heart. And if your heart is wicked, your heart is full of all this junk that is going to come out eventually so what does God see when he looks at our hearts what does he see when he looks at your heart looks at mine and is it a mess <laughs> is, it, is it a whole jumble of like good and bad and all this other stuff is it I'm picturing it like a room in the house you know like it can be clean you vacuum you swept and you know Maybe you even dusted. That's the part that gives me trouble. Um, but, you know, you forgot to look under the couch, and there's that piece of food the kids were eating that got slipped under there on accident a couple of weeks ago, and now it's, you know, got ants crawling after it. And You know, there's like, what's going on in your heart? Is it clean? Is it good? Is, there, is, it, is it a mix of beautiful and ugly? Let's go ahead and let God... Make us clean from the inside out. Let's allow him to, to change us. Let's not hang on to those things that eventually are going to come out in the ways that we treat other people. You know, sometimes we, you know, some of you are really good at like holding on to that grudge, right? <laughs> you know, and have a really hard time extending grace to that other person. I was just, it's been a while since I talked about this, I guess. I'll have, to, I'll have to do a Sunday on this sometime in the future. I was just talking to somebody this last week about that whole Matthew 18 thing where Jesus talks about what to do when you have problems with each other. Some of you are nodding your heads like, oh, yeah, Matthew 18, because that's kind of become shorthand uh, in, in some places where I think it's starting in verse 15 where Jesus says, look, if somebody sins against you, go to them and point it out, point out their fault. And if they, re if they repent, if they apologize, like, great, you've won them over. Problem solved. You know, don't go to, like, your other friend over here and say, you won't believe what they did, you know. Don't go to Facebook and, like, leave a nasty review or whatever, you know. Um, go to them. Point it out. Go to the person that's hurt you that you have a problem with and see if you can work it out. If you can, great. If you can't, then Jesus says, then take one or two other people with you to have this conversation with them. 
so, so that you have some help. So you have some objective person there to say like, oh, yeah, you know what? I think you misunderstood this. Or, you know what? I think this, I think the problem is on your side, not on their side. You know, this person's going to help you to know, okay, how, how do I need to apologize? How do I need to make this right? And if they still won't listen, then it says you, you take it to the church. You, you kind of broaden the circle a little more and talk with them that way. And if they still won't listen, then you got to, and this is probably in the time when churches met like in homes, Right? that this is coming up, that this is the early church, you know, would have been a group like, you know, this half of the room all squeezed into somebody's living room, right? And uh, you know each other intimately, you spend every week together, you have a meal together, you, you know each other's business, and when there's a problem, you can't just ignore it. And I'm saying if, if you still can't handle it and the whole church community has dealt with it, then, then you got to treat them like an outsider, somebody that you love and you're gracious toward, but you can't have that... that poisoning in relationships because what's on the inside comes out it impacts what goes on in your in your relationships in your life in your church in your school in your family in your community if you're holding on to something don't don't i guess just don't do that right if you're holding on to something ugly you know get, get it out of there so it doesn't fester so it doesn't stink so it doesn't you don't end up looking like one of those whitewashed tombs. Now, I don't know what makes us think we can hide these things, uh, because like Jesus said, they always come out, and Jesus sees it anyway. God sees anyway what's going on inside us. People might look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And just thinking about that reminds me of these verses from Hebrews chapter 4. It's one of those that I feel like I read too often, but probably not. I'm told that uh, we all forget you all forget what I say uh, not long after I say it. And, uh, and if I'll be honest, sometimes I forget what I say not long after I said it, okay? So I probably, it probably it doesn't hurt to come back to Hebrews chapter 4 every now and then. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. When, when God speaks, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When God speaks, it cuts deep. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Which sounds terrifying, you know, because we want to be able to hide those parts of us that we don't want others to see. But this is saying, look, God sees it all. Nothing is hidden. Everything is uncovered, laid bare before his eyes. And we have to give an account to him for what we allow to go on in our hearts, the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Therefore, because he sees it all, and since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. He has overcome all these temptations, right? But he knows them. He knows our weakness. He knows he can empathize with us. So because Jesus is standing in the gap for us, he's being our high priest, and we hold firmly to this faith we profess. This faith we profess is that God loves us, that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus said we've got to clean the inside. 
This is how we do it. We come to God. We ask for his help. We pray prayers like this one from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you? That would be worth us praying together, I think. Let's, let's pray this. Now that you've seen it, heard it, if you're willing, let's pray this one together. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, I gave you two psalms on the back there. If you, there's a bonus material on the back. Psalm 139 and from Psalm 19. Uh, both are two great psalms that you can use in your prayers this coming week. Um, I'm going to read them real quick, and then we're going to get on to communion because I see the time back there. We're, we're, we're coming up on the hour. Psalm 139 starts, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. And the psalm, if you're familiar, goes on and on about all the different places I could go, all the different situations I find myself in, and how I'm always, God is always with me. And finally, it ends with this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's a prayer it's a little bit dangerous, but it's inviting God. God, since you know me anyway, would you point out those things in me that you find offensive, those things in me that, that you know this is not good for you to hang on to that, to have that inside. That, ooh, yeah, you, you got to lose that, Rich. You got to let go of that attitude. You got to let go of that grudge. You got you to forgive that person. Point out, God, anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting life. That's saying, God, when you speak, I will do. When where you go, I will follow. You are my king. Lead me. And Psalm 19 starts out, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. And then it goes on for a while about that and, and God's amazing creation and how God is present and speaks through creation. And then in verse 7, there's a little, a little section about God's words to us. These, these words that cut deep, right? The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They're sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They're a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. Remember I talked earlier about the things that we set our hearts upon, our affections, our allegiances. He's saying there, look, man, I, I, I want this even more than, than gold, even more than money. I want to hear from you, God. Even more than, than pleasure, you know, than, than honey straight from the comb. It's probably the sweetest thing they enjoyed in their day. God, even more than that, I want to hear from you so that my soul can be revived, so I can have this wisdom, so my heart can be full of joy and all the rest. He continues, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I'll be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
some great resources for prayer this week. Right now, let's bow our heads. Let's go ahead and talk to God. Ask for his help. God, thank you. Thank you that you don't just uh, leave us uh, with no way to impact what goes on inside of us. But instead, you, you guide us, God. You, you help us. You do as we pray to you as, you, as we reflect, as we listen for you speaking. God, you do point out to us those things that need to change. And so, God, if our hearts are set on, on things they shouldn't be set on, I pray you'd help us to, to turn our hearts. They would quit spending so much time watching those TV shows or reading about that or whatever it is that we do that gets our hearts so focused on that other thing. And you want our hearts turned toward you. You want our hearts turned toward our neighbors. Thank you, God. Thank you for the leadership of your Holy Spirit in our lives who speaks to us, who helps us, who purifies our hearts. You, you cleanse our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you that you've given us uh, each other, sisters and brothers in this family who sometimes can hold a mirror up to us, help us to see things that are coming out of our lives that we didn't recognize, that we didn't, we didn't know that was going on in us, and they help us to see it. And God, as, as they do this for us, as we do this for each other, graciously, kindly, patiently, respectfully, God, as, as we do this for each other, would you help us to, to stay open to what you are saying to us? so that we don't continue down destructive paths, so that you can lead us down the path of everlasting life. Thank you, God, for looking at our hearts and helping us to, to change them. God, we thank you uh, for this sacrament we get to celebrate today. As we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence here among us, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. God, as we, as we do this, we offer you ourselves. We lift our hearts to you. We give you thanks and praise for the great love that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, who offered his body, who spilled his blood, who gave his life to set us free. Thank you, God, that your life was stronger than death, that your grace was greater than our worst imaginable sin, that you have conquered sin and death by the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as we offer ourselves to you, as we confess to you our sins, our failures, as we, as we open up our hearts to you, as we acknowledge that you see it all anyway, so as we just agree with you about some of the ugliness that we see there. God, we thank you that instead of condemning us, you forgive. You wash us. You cleanse us. You change us from the inside out. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love. Thank you for this grace. Thank you for being able to do for us what we can't even do for ourselves in making these changes possible. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.
Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, And if you're connecting with us online, uh, now's the time. Grab that bread and grab that juice. And as we sing, you're invited to, to take that bread and eat it, to take that juice and drink it. For those of us in the room, if you're coming forward, if you would like... Like I said, I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And uh, as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread, dip it in the juice, and eat it. And then return to your seats. There's the the good. I see some of you already using the little hand sanitizer on the tables and all that good stuff. So let's give God thanks as we celebrate the amazing grace he's shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for meeting us here where we live in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit on all of us who trust in you. We do pray that you would fill us with the Spirit of our Lord Jesus so that as we leave this place, we go as as people who are being changed from the inside out. Continue your good work in us, God, as we continue to trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.